Let's cut through the mainstream financial advice out there. This is your quick financial tip from your rich uncle. What's up, folks? It's your rich uncle here, and we are going to be talking about all the latest stuff that's been happening this week. If you haven't noticed, your guys' stocks took a crap. Me, on the other hand, and a lot of wealthy people who don't invest in that cockamamie old stock market thing don't care. I mean, I kind of look at it day to day, and I kind of just want to stay informed so I don't look like, you know, the rich uncle who just doesn't know what the Dow is doing. But I, I'll be honest, I frankly don't care very much because all my money is in hard real estate or small businesses. I don't care what's happening with the stock market, partly because I don't believe in it. It's all this made up money and what's been happening is, you know, since the pandemic, all this fake money got pumped into the system through a thing called quantitative easing. And now quantitative tightening, the opposite of that, is happening where there's all this inflation going on and the fed and the politics people in in congress need to find a way to cool it down so what do they do they start to raise the interest rates which should cool down the inflation so let's recap right what's been happening over the last several months what's supposedly the thing that's keeping people up at night You've got the Ukraine war, terrible thing that's happening, but that is bringing the gas prices up. And that's one thing. Now, I honestly don't really feel like, yeah, sure, lots of people are paying double amount in terms of gas, but really how much is that part of people's personal spending budget? Is that really gonna stop people from taking their family vacations because their gas tank costs an extra 50 bucks one way and coming back? I don't think so. Uh, Next thing is the supply chain, which I think is a little bit of a hoax, right? It's just kind of one of those things where it's slowed down in China, has lowered the speed to things we expect, like tomorrow is now taking a few weeks. And this kind of ranges from microchips all the way to furniture, to bigger goods, to manufacture other products, such as real estate. But here's the big question, and I think this has been looming around, is are we in a recession? Is a recession coming? Now, when I talk to most unsophisticated investors out there, they are always, always thinking a recession is coming tomorrow. Maybe, well, if that's the case, I'm going to just sit with my money and not do anything which is to me a mistake, right? Sophisticated investors know that you have to be in the game somehow, especially today, right? Where inflation is 9%. If you don't do anything, your money will be losing 9% of its buying power every year. In other words, if you don't do anything, you will lose 9% of your money every year. So just sitting on your cash, which means having the equity sitting in your house as home equity, or just in some kind of bond or even some low risk stocks or even some growth stocks. To me, it's untapped lazy equity that should be put into cash flowing assets. Ideally, that's doing value add where you can increase the value of the property to not just rely on market appreciation, but grab your own fate in your own hand and do some force appreciation there. We talk about other uh, videos on this topic. Check it out. you know, we talk a lot about value-add real estate, but today I'm mainly talking about the economy. So we'll get back to that. Now, one thing I wanted to mention about inflation, 
it's right around 9%. Let's just go with that. It ranges, and there's some people out there saying that it may be even 10 to 15% plus because the government is sort of sandbagging that number to make themselves look better. Now, normally, inflation is pegged around 2 to 3%. So we could probably argue that from baseline, it's around a plus 6% at this point now. Now, I'm going to introduce this idea of relativity, right? So if we're kind of a plus 6% from normal baseline, where, where are we at in terms of housing prices? Well, housing prices are known to go up plus 3%. More in nicer areas, low-cap markets like Seattle, California, Hawaii, New York, and a little slower in the boring flyover states such as Birmingham, Atlanta, Indianapolis, places like that. Now, let's just for simplistic purposes, let's just call it 3%. And 3% mimics, again, what inflation should be. So this is why I'm not a big fan of buying a house to live in and calling it your investment, because all it nearly is doing is going up with the pace of inflation. In this case, we're calling it 3%. Now, the prices have gone up quite a bit since the pandemic. You know, you one could argue that it's probably going up maybe 6% every year, maybe even 7 but let's just go with 6 for this purposes. From baseline, which is 3%, 6% is a plus 3% increase. But where inflation is at, inflation is going a lot higher than where the housing prices are at now. One might be able to take the idea that you know, the housing market is lagging inflation and we could be in a recessionary environment at this point now, except inflation is just bringing all this money in and rising all tides and it's all relative right if the inflation is nine percent and the housing prices is lagging just behind there at six percent the housing prices are kind of weak and in a way again we could be in a recession at this point already now you're going to hear a lot of this type of talk in youtube and news articles it's very different from the stuff I've been hearing from different real economic reports out there where they actually look at the job support. And right now, jobs and underemployment are doing pretty well right now, relatively speaking. So what is the Fed doing? The Fed is kind of mandated to keep inflation under control as one of their main things. And that is their main focus at this point now. With unemployment doing pretty well and you know jobs market doing pretty well, that's their main focus is inflation. And again, how are they doing? What are they doing to cool this off, but increase the interest rates? Now, one thing to look at, whether we go into a recession or not, or whether we're in a recession already, but this concept of, you know, things kind of move up and down, up and down. It's a natural thing. And when you, this is why we tell people invest in real estate that cash flows or things that cash flow because you ride these ways and it's always a good time to be buying and you don't need to worry about timing the market but because you can't it's, you should be always buying things that make sense and cash flowing on a routine basis ideally monthly now the big question are we coming into a hard landing recession or a soft landing recession we know it we're kind of in a bear market at this point Maybe call it another week or two of these hard minus 300, 400 point days in the Dow of more red and blood in the streets, and it'll be official more than likely. But don't forget, a real recession is known as two quarters of negative GDP growth. And I don't think we're going to see anything dip below 0%, right? 
I, what we've been seeing, especially in 2001 after the pandemic, was great GDP growth. But what we're going to be seeing is slowing growth, but it's still growing. And that's the point I kind of want to reiterate to everybody. But nevertheless, a lot of money is coming out of the stocks right now as it was so freely going in when they were creating all this fake money. And this is why I'm not a big fan of the stock market. Get your money out of the system where money flows in and out arbitrarily and not really based on whether you're making a sound investment or not. Take your own fate in your own hands, buy real estate or start your own business or invest in businesses that are actually based on either the net operating income or the EBITDA. How much income or to the losses equates to how much profit the thing is making as opposed to some random number based on somebody's assessment of how a company should be doing. Now, why is the Fed increasing the interest rates? Well, my theory, and I think a lot of people will also agree with this, is that they are trying to pay for all these government programs that are coming in. I mean, how else are you gonna pay for all these monkeypox vaccinations, but print continuing to print money? But at some point, you're going to run inflation wild and that's not good for politics, right? People will start to blame it on the politicians and the Fed eventually, and that's not what they want to do. But it's a tricky thing. Yes, they got to control inflation, bring it back to 2 to 3%, which I think will take maybe about three to four years for them to really rein things down, especially if they're doing, you know, half a point, three quarter point, one quarter point. Um, changes every so often. It's going to take a while to rein this inflation back in. But one thing that they are looking at real closely is the jobs numbers. If the jobs unemployment goes starts to uptick and gets above kind of where we're at or where we were tr traditionally hovering at, then that's a point where they need to lay their lay off of that quantitative tightening and they need to ring back how much aggressively they're increasing the interest rates. First thing, what we've done, we've retraded some of the assets that we're currently in contract to buy. We're currently in a little bit of a buyer's market within a seller's market. If that didn't make any sense to you, basically we were in an uptrending market where it's a seller's market. It's um, hard to buy things. It's, uh, you know, it, it, things are more and more expensive. But what happened there, you know, about a month ago when the interest rates really started to take off was a lot of these bigger institutional players pulled back from the market. And these institutional players, especially in the commercial market world, really move markets. And if you guys trade stocks, you know, you little Robin Hood people out there, the only time where the little players really, you know, move the market was that whole GameStop fiasco. But typically the institutional players are just moving so much volume that they influenced the market very heavily and, and greatly. So what happened was a lot of these people buying these large apartments with these commercial deals, they pulled out these institutional professional investors buying these huge, huge properties. And what this did was created a little bit of vac vacuum. So if you were a smaller, medium-sized operator buying 100 to 400 unit deals, there was a bit of a vacuum created and thus a little buyer's market within the seller's market in general. Me personally, I still was a little apprehensive and I just kind of want to watch things move out. And we've been pretty active lately, so I wasn't really involved, but I'm just kind of seeing this um, sort of still in there and still looking at deals. But, you know, one particular property, we asked for a bit of a trade uh, to retrade it, which means to ask for a lower price. Um, so that's another idea for you guys to work on. 
you got to be careful sometimes because you can lose some faith when you start to retrade. But you know that's based on what's happening out there in the market right now. And you know, come right now, it's about July. Maybe not the case come past mid July. Right now, it's about June. Probably not the case when we come to mid July. The other thing, refinance your assets now. You might be kicking yourself saying that I could have refinanced at three percent. Now it's six percent, and that door is closed. Don't worry. I would say just make sure you refinance and get that liquidity out. Don't be an unsophisticated investor and really think about in terms of the difference between that three percent that you're seeing there. Interest rates are more than likely to go up, but more importantly, pull the liquidity out now and hold it. I think that's a thing that a lot of investors don't really think about. Any time when things went wrong, it was because of a couple of things. First, the asset didn't cash flow. If you have cash flow, you can ride out a recession. And secondly, even if you're cash flowing, and even if your cash flow went a little bit negative, which is usually caused because you have to lower your rents to pay your debt service, maybe you're going in not really that great of a deal that doesn't cash flow very strongly. But at this point, you're going to need cash reserves to feed that beast. And that cash reserves is the important thing that you can last this out. You know, so if you have an adequately cash-flowing property, you know, you own a little rental property that rents for a thousand dollars a month, then your mortgage is three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars, and you can pay your expenses after that. I think you're fine. But if you're sitting right now with, after all, fifty percent expense ratio expenses. You're only cash flowing maybe 50 bucks per door. I think you might be in a little bit of trouble should you have to drop your rents maybe 10 or 20 percent. Now, if you're buying apartments, now the different story as opposed to rents, it's more occupancy, right? Right now, you might be 95 percent occupied, but maybe it might be good to do a little bit sensitivity analysis in case you had to keep your rents a little bit right where it's at or lower, but maybe your occupancy drops to 85, 80 percent. You guys run your numbers out there and kind of stress test it, and use that stress test to really think: Well, how much liquidity should I have? Maybe I should have fifty, a hundred thousand dollars lying around, which ideally you'd want to put that into your infinite banking account and just have it seasoned there and wait for this rainy day. But the point is, if you don't have that money, pull it out via refinance. Don't do a HELOC because the HELOCs can be pulled at any point, and it probably will be pulled if there's any kind of tumultuous times in the future. Speaking of tumultuous times, if you're in crypto. Be ready for that crypto winter coming up. I had a few thousand dollars in BlockFi. I pulled that. A lot of people that I follow have been kind of twittering this, twittering that. The co-founder of this is, you know, all these employees got like、um, fired from these companies. I don't know. I'm not a crypto guy, but I know enough to know which people who I trust within my inner circle to know I'm gonna pull what little money I have out of those things. And if I was in crypto, I would be kind of worried at this point, and I'd be pulling it and trying to get into real hard assets. That's the thing I've been saying all along. I don't know why people go to all these random, fringy websites and DeFi markets. Probably because they think it's cool and it's different, and they chase you know different staking yields for twelve, twenty percent. But it's times like this, and when there's uncertainty. That it was just better off to go into real estate, and yeah, sure, you're making half of that, 
But again, when you're investing in real estate, a lot of your gains are tax-free. You can use the passive loss to offset that. Where you have to make maybe triple or quadruple that in the crypto to at the end of the day keep the same thing. For those of you guys don't do crypto and don't do real estate, well, at the very least, if you're that old 401k guy, um, we'll be doing videos on these these guys in the future for you guys out there. With you know, a lot of you guys are the same. You guys were told to invest in your 401k and get the company match, but now you're in all these kind of growth stocks. I'd be getting out of that stuff because those are the stuff that get, gets killed in these times when the money and the tide is going out of the stock market. And because again, it was pumped up artificially during the pandemic. I'd be going into value stocks, commodities, and the commodities that I'm talking about that I personally like, real estate. And real estate that covers the lower middle class workforce housing. Not the really cool, sexy stuff, not the really low-end stuff because it's hard to manage, but this nice B and C class assets in the middle that cater towards the, the most majority of America. And as tough times come ahead, you know, the people living in the nice houses or the nice apartments, they're going to move to more of these workforce-style housing or value apartments or houses. And this is where, as an investor, you want to catch these people as they fall. Nothing happens. Well, you're in real estate. That will go up with the pace of inflation, and you're covered that way too. So it's kind of a heads I win, tails I win kind of a situation that you're creating for yourself. But you know, if you're in the stock market, to me, I think you're going to get killed, and it's not really based on anything real, as I said before. But at the end of the day, you know, again, invest for cash flow so you can outride a recession, keep some cash at hand. And you do your sensitivity analysis on all your investments. You know, maybe fifty, a hundred grand would be good for most people with a million, two million dollars net worth. And good luck out there. Don't worry about it. You know, what do they always? What does your financial planner always tell you when you see a lot of red? Well, don't worry. You're in it for the long haul. No, I think that's a bunch of BS. But you know, don't make any irrational decisions. Think about this, folks. Find other people doing what you want to do, and. I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm a great example. I don't care what happens in the stock market because my money is in solid things backed by a hard asset, and that asset that I like to go into serves a common need that serves the lower middle class majority of America. It's good for the economy. It's good because people need it. It's a, good, a service that's not going to be going around, and that's just what I choose. And helps you with your taxes. But we got a lot of other videos on that. But if you guys have any questions,、uh, especially as things come up and move, and as interest rates tick up even more, drop any comments below. We'll try and get to it. And、uh, thanks for listening. Lane is not a lawyer, CPA, but the dude did quit his engineering job and now owns thousands of rental properties. Learn more about the secrets of the wealthy. Join our community at thewealthelevator.com/club. And if you're looking for a longer-form podcast, also subscribe to the Wealth Elevator podcast.